Oh, you're breaking up a little bit. Hold on just a second. Hold on. Humans are capable of doing it. Hold, hold on just a second. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Okay, we should be good now. What's up, guys? This is Zach, and you have just stepped into the dark blue. Uh, man, you know, I've got an old friend here today. Uh, I'm really excited to have a conversation with. Um, uh, he's known as the Immortal Lion. I knew him back in the day as Jeremy. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm just, just, you know, Jeremy and, I, Jeremy and I used to have some really phenomenal conversations when I was working at the YMCA in Fort Worth years ago. Um, and uh, he actually introduced me to one of my favorite books called The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. Um, and so that book actually is something that was pretty pivotal for me in my perspective on life. And uh, so I want to thank you for that, Jeremy, and bringing that little piece of wisdom into my life. And uh, I want to thank you for joining me today. How's it going? Oh, it's fantastic, man. Thank you for having me. Um, that, that definitely takes me back uh, to a bit of some memories. That's That's really like... That was a time when I was actually going through a great, great transformation. Um, you know, I, I was really, I think when we were getting connected, I, I'd really made uh, quite the shift in my health prior to that. And I was really pushing it hard with triathlon. And uh, yeah, yeah. I think I was, going, I, I was going to the Y like twice a day sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. I was like, I remember times where I'd be like, did you even leave, man? <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely remember those days. Um, and I, and I, I still really love that, like, that beautiful activity level. Uh, <clears throat> um, and it gives us, you know, I've, I've found some balance with it these days, but, um, and I'm much more playful. Then I was much more focused on a training aspect and right. Uh, getting it done. Yeah, definitely getting it done. And so, um, yeah, that was fun though, man. And that, that was actually a great <laughs> book. That, that book really kind of tuned me into, I, I think we're always kind of tuned into our path a little bit, but then we have these little, um, markers that remind mm -hmm. us of like where where we've kind of been but also the vision of where we're going and that book yeah. was always for me like a great vision of what i could see as the potential of us as beings you know yeah absolutely i agree you know and that that and then just like connecting to yourself and understanding and like being in being in the moment and knowing and learning how to uh allow yourself to feel what you're feeling in the moment and kind of evaluate then instead of worrying about past or future or whatever um so that's pretty cool stuff yeah we actually yeah man thanks thanks for reminding me that we did have a quite a quite a few great conversations um and connections through that you know like i said i spent a lot of time there and you were a familiar face when i was coming up there and mm -hmm. always enjoyed stopping and having a good combo about what's going on in your life as well i'm gonna crack open this beer real quick and we'll get going um Actually, I've been hooked on this uh, Czech Dark from a place called Obets. Uh, they're one of my favorite brewers here in Seattle, and I know the guys listening have heard me talk about them a lot, but that's because they make really great beer. <laughs> um, so this is a, our Czech Dark from Obets. <laughs> and uh, we actually... It's actually kind of a nice thing like, to honor those that... Uh, that... Honor those that... Yeah, we get to honor those that are uh, mastering their craft. 
you know, we get to share that in this world. Those that uh, really give a lot of focus to the things that they do and things that they create. So um, yeah. I always find that a great experience to have. And you can definitely tell, like, no matter what it is, when somebody has really put uh, a level of love and expertise into something. Yeah, definitely. Whether it's beer or food or writing, you know, <laughs> whatever the case is. Absolutely. It's the math. It, it's, it's alchemy at its finest. We, we honor that. Like, we, we love the master alchemists, the ones that can transmute these experiences into something exquisite. Right. Yep. The ones that make us feel feel something mm -hmm. from the experience, you know. So Indeed. cool stuff. What are you drinking? Uh, I'm actually drinking uh, uh, an organic hard kombucha from Boochcraft here in the San Diego area. This is an apple jasmine <laughs> flavor. So <clears throat> yeah, I, I definitely that sounds good. Uh, uh, like to, I, I've, been a, I've been a kombucha fan for a long time, uh, but I, I really didn't have like hard kombuchas until like the last few years. But as I've gotten into them, those are the ones that really have like a lot of substance and, and, and a lot of like flavor and integrity to them. They're not just like a juice. <laughs> yeah, totally. I haven't actually tried a, a hard kombucha yet. I'll actually have to, I'll give that a, give that a try soon here. So yeah, I've been getting into the kombucha ritual a little bit. Uh, it's, and uh, I'll drink some in the mornings, you know, to kind of get my metabolism mm -hmm. going and that kind of stuff. And um, that, that's been working really well, but uh, I have never tried kombucha to get, uh, to get the little, uh, get the little buzz before. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's good for that gut health, too, which is so really, I found over the years, essential for that good, solid, uh, overall well-being. Oh, yeah, totally. It's, it's amazing, you know, and I've actually learned more over the last probably three years how essential the gut health is to our, our mind and our, the rest of our body as well. It's just, it's really Im impressive how much you can change the way your body functions just by having your stomach right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've gone through quite a bit of that transformation in myself. It was actually the first step for me in um, really kind of addressing any of those internal wounds of, uh, of trauma, really. Uh, that, that's the simplest way to get to it is uh, I, that's the word I know of it, know of it now, but we all have these experiences, whether they're good or bad, they can, they can, they don't have to be the extremes, but this, we all have kind of a trauma that, that, uh, had an, uh, an effect on our personalities or had an effect on our overall being. So yeah. Yep. That was the first step for me is kind of addressing, starting to beginning to address that dietary and gut health. Um, yeah. It does definitely make a big difference. That's cool, man. Yeah. It really changes your perspective on, in your mind and like, you're like, well, my body looks good now, but I still feel like shit, you know? Yeah. So like, why, yeah. why do I still feel like shit even though I've, you know, put, put the, with the work in on my body. Um, totally. it's a, good way to start exploring that and so pretty cool man yeah it's putting something to work um you know many of us begin with the body and i've i've gone through uh a lot of transformation over the years and, and eventually it all came to the holistic approach of the health of mind body and spirit and and when i say body i kind of i mean that gut health and when i say mind i mean that mental health aspect and then the spiritual health is is what i feel to simply put is the the emotional health that we have yeah, definitely. The simple, that, that's a simple way for me to at least acknowledge and honor the Trinity within each of us. Yeah, that's cool, man. I love that. Um, yeah, so guys, uh, so Jeremy did something years ago with his family that I really admire. Um, and he really just one day decided to uh, up and 
move on and, and live his life the way he wanted to live it uh, with his, his wife and his kids. And uh, it's been really cool because, uh, you know, for years they were living in an RV. Are you guys still living in the RV? Yeah, we actually have been. Yeah. It's uh that's awesome. We've come to we've come to the point now where we're looking to create a, a bigger space um, for ourselves and maybe find some roots because um, we really love the nomadic uh, lifestyle for for a bit, but uh, we've fallen in love with Southern California. Yeah, and definitely that's cool. Uh, like the idea of calling it a permanent home. So nice. Well, yeah. So man, they they just up and up and left left to San Diego, <laughs> and uh, they've been just you know, really just living against, against the grain, which I, I really love that because so many people are, aren't willing to take that jump and make that, you know, make that move to live the life that they want to live. And as opposed to the one that they're expected to live, um, as by society, by parents, by whoever it may be. Um, and so we're going to talk a little bit about Jeremy's journey with his family, uh, in, in that adventure, which is, uh, pretty, pretty exciting stuff. So, um, do you want to start, can you tell us a little bit just about your kind of your story and where the whole, where everything started for you? Like where did the changes start and what kind of brought up these changes in your perspective? Uh, well, I think it starts with giving you a little bit of my background. I grew up in uh, Texas and, um, a small town in Texas. And my father, my, my biological father left when I was two. Um, Luckily, I had somebody kind of step in and uh, take care of me, and I know him as my dad, and so uh, he was around. But he, he like many fathers, worked a lot of hours. Uh, he worked for the the railroad, so he was committed to uh, you know anywhere between forty and eight hour, eighty hours a week sometimes. So it was like a significant amount of work. Um, so he was a pro financial provider and guided me uh, as much as possible. But I was primarily raised by kind of the school system and my mother, and the transition like there was um like these days i can be upfront and honest about it. there was a lot of trauma like right when i was leaving uh to go to college uh the last few years of my experience uh, my grandmother died my mom had a back injury and had become addicted to uh, prescription narcotics and was very depressed herself and so as, as a young man i was experiencing um like she she attempted uh, suicide a couple of times i was involved in that and uh so i was dealing with some pretty heavy things yeah no and doubt. so heard my my dad who was raised me split up when i was uh, around 18 or so and i went off to college and there was a lot of chaos and not really a, a need to get into total details of all of that but there was a, a lot going on that was really heavy on any person and so i was attempting to start my own life at this point at 18 and I was just kind of like pulled right back into this trauma. So mm -hmm. I, <clears throat> having that background, I, I decided to kind of carry on and start building my own life and do the best I could. And at a pretty young age, around 20, 21 or so, I'm, I met my wife and we started to build our life. And at 23, 24, I had, um, yeah, let's see, I had my first, my first child at 23. And right around that same time, I had actually, um, I was working, supporting the family. We had a house and um, I had injured my, my back. I had a lower spine injury and uh, herniated a disc. Ooh. And then I had actually gone through and repeated the almost the same patterns that my mom had gone through. I, I became addicted to the prescription narcotics and I was overweight. 
and I had the back surgery. I weighed at, I'm six foot three, but at that time I weighed 265 pounds. And so not being able to exercise and, and the diet, dietary choices, all that stuff just kind of caught up with me. I was, I was honestly yeah. like just kind of an emotional, mental and spiritual mess. Hmm. And I was really struggling to get out of it. But the one thing I'll, I'll honor in myself at that point is I've always had a very strong will. <laughs> <laughs> and I always nice. acknowledge that there was something great for all of us. And, and I just refuse to kind of suck down into this system. So in that hardship of feeling suicidal and depressed myself, it, it propelled me uh, into looking into answers for myself because the doctors had told me that basically by the time I was 35, I wouldn't be able to pick my kids up. And that, that was a really wow. tragic story to me. Yeah, no and doubt, I, man. I refused to buy into it. So I began to uh, look for answers and the doctors were not giving me the answers I wanted. So I actually, of all places, went to the library <laughs> <laughs> and I started looking around and looking for books in the health section. And I wanted to find an answer. I was like, there's gotta be some other solutions besides this, just like things are done for you. And so I did, I found a book. Uh, the first book I ran into was a book called Green for Life. And oddly, it, it turned me on to uh, this lady that was talking about drinking green smoothies and had transitioned her family to a vegan, raw food, plant-based diet. Yeah. And I was fascinated. And so this That's was an interesting like a, first one to pick up. Right, yeah. And it was just so like, it was a really short book and it was really like kind of simple. And I was like, wow, this just kind of came into my consciousness at that time. I was like, well, what's this all about? And so for me, that just kind of began my journey. And, and I did something so simple and it doesn't, and that's the thing I always like to share with people. It doesn't have to be complex. I simply incorporated these green smoothies into my daily routine. That was all mm. I did. <laughs> and through that, through that process. Simple baby steps. Yeah, through that process, I started to feel better. And out of that feeling better, I wanted to experiment more. So I kind of cut out red meat and then I felt a little bit better. And, and then the transition to the diet happened for about, it was about a six to seven month journey of transitioning to like a fully plant-based experience. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so I eventually like in that six to seven months went fully plant-based and that's like, a few months after that was probably about the time that you kind of started seeing my face because I was able to get back to movement and exercise. Yeah. And I, yeah. I was I really kind of easing into things and starting to swim and that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. And I was like such a novice swimmer. That was the thing. I was like, such <laughs> like a, like I could swim well, but I'd never com like swam competitively. And right. So this is something to give my mind focus on. And I was so like a child in this. And I was so fascinated with the skill of learning how to swim well. Mm, yeah. And so I went at it, man. I like learned and I triathlon was kind of the, the format in which I used to keep going. And in that process, I started discovering some really amazing things about the human technology. Hey, check this out. If you haven't tried sheath underwear yet, I can tell you from experience, it will change your life. It's got not one, but two pouches for your bits and pieces. It's basically like upgrading from a studio apartment to a two bedroom house for your junk. 
I won't wear anything else at this point. I've replaced my entire underwear drawer with sheath. So if you want to try it out for yourself, you can get 25% off by going to sheathunderwear.com and use promo code DARKBLUE, all caps, DARKBLUE. Uh, I dealt with the back injury in the hips and I started thinking and looking at, and I was a lifelong athlete. I grew up playing baseball and basketball and football and everything. And uh, my brother and I were actually exceptional athletes. Okay. And so we succeeded at these, these sports. And so I had that mindset of knowing how to train myself as an athlete. And so there led me to kind of looking into different things like human technology. I, I started seeing like, well, what's up with this? Like, why are we injured? What's like, right. if I can yeah. like, transition and I can start to feel better. Why am I injured? Why am I not feeling well? Yeah. Like, what is going on with that? There's got to be a reason. Did you read Grey's Anatomy in depth? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But I actually, I remember at some point when I was, and I watched a bit, a little bit more TV than I, than I do these days. I think that was probably in my conscious mind a little bit. I saw that show a bit. <laughs> but yeah, those, those things, they, they matter. And, um, so I started looking, I said, well, are we humans, what are we in here? What is this, like, this thing that's going on? Don't, at some point, there had to have been some sort of idea that we were happy and successful. Right, and So I yeah. started looking into things. Like, what is sure the enough, purpose? Yeah, what's the purpose, you know? And, and what, is the, what is the road to happiness? And it's, it's not the same, you know, I don't think it's the same for everyone. But for me, I was obsessed with understanding myself a little bit more. Yeah. So I started to do weird things like I looked into like barefoot shoes because I was having <laughs> I was running so many miles and stuff. And I was like, well, why are my knees hurting? This doesn't seem right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's terrible like, for your for your knees. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like looking and I'm like looking into this and I'm like, OK, well, it's cool. And I found this great book called Born to Run. And it's about these like Tara Umar. Uh, um, natives in Mexico that were running hundreds of miles. Uh, the, the Tara Umara uh, were an inspiration through this book, Born to Run, and, and I was seeing that there was this great human potential right before us. And I said, okay, well, there's something that we're doing that's different than what they're doing. Mm, yeah. And I wanted to know the answers. And sure enough, like the simple thing of like kind of finding, they were, they were running these very simple uh, footwear, basically barefooted. Yeah, and I was like, okay, cool. And so I start searching through that and then kind of seeing what their lifestyle is. And they were eating quite a bit less than we were. And the foods they were eating were not so heavy. They were natural and mm. um, primarily plant-based with a few other things added to it. Not strictly plant-based, but primarily plant-based. I was like, okay, okay cool. Let's, let's check this out. And uh, as you know, that, that's the time that I was kind of becoming obsessed with this long-distance triathlon stuff. And I was yeah. training for the Ironman. And I was training, I, I remember wearing uh, the five finger like Vibram shoes for an iron. Yeah. I, knew, like, I think, people were gonna think, I think I remember when you got those actually. I think I remember you coming in <laughs> with a pair yeah. on. Uh, yeah. yeah. And so I became obsessed like with this like kind of researching like what it meant to be like, like a healthy human. Mm -hmm. And that eventually led me to triathlon and experimenting with different diets. I even experimented with like fruitarianism for a little while where I was eating primarily just fruit. Nice. Like, um, and, what's his name? <laughs> of course I would say this and forget his name. Uh, jobs. 
Yeah, Steve Jobs did it. And even now, like, that kind of, like, motivated me to kind of see where Jobs went right and where he went wrong. And, yeah. Because um, yeah, he didn't do it successfully, obviously. Right. <laughs> and there's a lot of story behind that. And I've, I've kind of looked into it. And, and I, I don't really have any judgment. But the same thing for my experiences, what I found is that fruitarianism is a really great idea. But in the modern culture that we have, there's not so much access to, like, it's not as much access to, like, ripe and fresh fruit. Um, right in the city because everything or, is or a variation of it either yeah and so um and, and going back to my knowledge on eating greens you know finding a good balance with minerals and stuff like that mm. so i just kind of kept going and, and as i kept going i i started like being more obsessed with this this mental and physical and spiritual health of saying like okay well i'm feeling better and i'm doing these different things mm. so I knew somewhere along the way that there was a, that I, that there had to be this like state of bliss and the human existence. <laughs> and yeah. The one we're all searching for. Yeah. The pursuit of happiness, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so that's what I started chasing. And, you know, I was doing Ironmans and really enjoying it. And uh, I did a couple of like uh, 70.3s there in the Texas area. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you kind of knew me through that training, but um as I'm going through this process, a lot of my time was dedicated to training. So I was trying doing my best to figure out different ways to uh, financially support myself. Yeah. And so I was like kind of shifting in and out of like, I knew manual labor. That's what I grew up seeing. My dad did manual labor, right? My grandpa and those guys, like they were manual laborers. They built their houses and all that stuff. So that's what I mentally knew as work. Right. But as far as my own self, I'd always really lean towards the, the a different side of things. Like I always knew like, nah, man, this doesn't seem right. You got to be able to work smarter than this. Like you just kind of, you know, <laughs> yeah, giving away all your destroys time. your body. And yeah. Yeah. And also like, you're just kind of like, it feels in a way like you're slaving away for somebody else. And so I kind of transitioned into, I, I took a, a job working at uh, the vegan restaurant there in Fort Worth, um, spiral diner and um ah yes spiral diner that place was yeah started to minimize yeah that place is great and i and i kind of caught connected with the family there like the the people that work there um everybody there was also kind of looking for an alternative lifestyle too Mm -hmm. and so that that's what opened me up to really it opened me up quite a bit to the idea that there are uh quite a bit of alternative lifestyles and that we can really create for ourselves and so that's what I set out to do. And it wasn't, it's not easy, bro. Like, yeah. One thing I like to acknowledge is that like when you're kind of stepping out of what you have been programmed to do. Oh man, seriously. It, it's so challenging. It really is. And, yeah. It's, it's like breaking your mind of those habits, even though you know they're wrong. It's like, it, that's, that's definitely one of the most difficult things. I had a similar experience when like moving away from the church and all that. So I totally get that. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's a, it's a familiarity that we have with, uh, and even like, that's, that's one of the things I like to talk about with trauma and mental health is that we become so familiar with things, even trauma mm-hmm. that when we become, when we get out of a place that we're not comfortable with, we get out of this comfort zone. Sometimes we'll, we'll create nonsense to get back into that place that we're comfortable with. Yep. And so this was like a major shift. Like when we were knowing each other, this was a major shift in my life. And I, I remember feeling that like, okay, 
I, I don't want to work all these hours every week just to like <laughs> pay for this house and pay for all this stuff that basically I was yep. looking at my home and what was happening is I was having to repair it and put a lot of money into it. And it was just much bigger space than it was worth. living. Yeah. It was such a, like, it was a huge space and it was like more of a space than I actually needed. And yep. as I was like kind of pulling all that stuff away, I'm like, I don't need this. I don't need this. I don't need this. We decided to just, like kind of upend life. We had had children and they were small and um, decided that we wanted to sell the house and maybe explore other alternatives. So we yeah, bought an Airstream. for a transition. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, exactly. We bought an Airstream and I was kind of really kind of getting comfortable with pushing myself outside of the comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And triathlon was, was a part of that for me is that you're, you're kind of out there in no man's land. Like you're running a race, but you're really just running your own race. Right. Yeah. That's, that's and true. It, it's kind of, that's a really good way to put that. I like it. It was just a symbol of like setting out on my own path. And mm -hmm. that's where it was. It seems so simple, but that's what it was as I, as I was out there running all these miles all the time. And I mean, I remember one time I ran from my house to the YMCA and then worked out and went to on a swim and then ran back home. And it was 20 miles round trip of running. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but in this 20 mile run, what you're dealing with is yourself, your thoughts, yep. your feelings, and it's a meditation in a way. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's, so, man, that's why I, I really, like I said, like I admire what you did and what you're doing because we have so many influences and things that keep us distracted from ourselves, you know, and that I think that's one of the, uh, the large contributors to a lot of the problems that we have now is that people don't take time to get to know themselves and they don't allow that because they're afraid to face whatever shit they're dealing with or haven't dealt with. Um, and it's just easier to turn on a movie or um, get on Tinder and, you know, have a girl over or, uh, you know, go, go, uh, downtown somewhere and find drugs or whatever, you know, like there's so many, so many, too many ways for us to, uh, avoid all of those things. And, uh, so, you know, you seeing you guys take that step outside of those temptations and really get to, to know who you are, uh, has just always been really appealing to me. Um, I, I got really into like the beat culture years ago and also, um, like actually in Fort Worth, I met some, some guys who were travelers who that was their lifestyle. You know, they were homeless and they chose to be homeless and like jump trains and stuff that you hear about from decades ago. And apparently people are yeah. still doing it all in the oh, search for the self. <laughs> yeah well and exactly that's 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 the funny thing and you mentioned that that that's a whole like there's a whole culture in the pacific northwest that i've run into that do that yeah yep and um and that that's that's the journey and for me finding the balance with that like journey and also true health that that was the thing is is i wanted to find a place where i could where I could connect both of those that that sovereignty and that independence of, of knowing the self but through mm -hmm. an aspect of being healthy and uh because I, I knew like internally like I'd be on these runs and stuff like that but 
I, I actually kind of went through that for a few years, but when we moved and kind of moved out of Fort Worth, I, I decided that maybe like the com- the competitive aspect of triathlon wasn't what I was getting out of it. It was actually just this time with myself. Yeah. That I was thoroughly really digging into some things and that's what I was really enjoying. And, you know, I won't say that it was easy when we decided to up and move from Fort Worth because we went to Colorado first and it was a really unique experience. We stayed on a homestead mm. and the the best part is we were like in the mountains around no one. Oh, wow. That's cool. And yeah, this was like a, the first like two months we did this and it, it was wild. I'd walk down to this river and we did it and it was really great because I got, I got an experience of exchange. Like they let us stay there for free in exchange for watching their dogs because the guy that owned the place was a contractor and he was doing work in Oregon during the summer. And so they had these uh, golden retrievers. And so they let us like just in exchange for caring for their dogs and their, their home. uh, We parked our little Airstream on their property and lived in the mountains. That's really cool, man. And it was, it was kind of like, uh, it, it was kind of earth shattering a little bit because you're so accustomed to just being around people all the time the modern conveniences and yep absolutely and so you're there and what you have to do with yourself is just maybe walk around build a fire spend some time alone throw a few rocks wa- <laughs> yeah exactly. no it's true and it's true because like we're, we're caught up and like you said the major distraction we all have so often is the idea that we constantly have to be doing something to produce or consume yep absolutely and and that that comes from this kind of and and i will say this from this capitalistic society that that's your value and that's your worth Mm -hmm. is contributing to the economy that's pretty much it right contributing (laughs) that's all you are and and consuming somebody else's good that's right you know and so it's a really that's a challenging thing to break out of Actually, I read a book a while back called The Man Who Quit Money. I don't know if you ever heard of that one. I haven't heard of that one. That sounds interesting. Yeah, it really is. Um, so the the guy the book is about, it, it, the whole thing is that he left his last like $35 in a phone booth one day and just walked away from it. Um, and essentially, he just completely walked away from money and learned how to survive in like modern US atmosphere, you know, with the consumerism and all that stuff uh, without money. So he wandered around for years uh, living in a cave outside of Moab, Utah, you know, super extreme. Um, But he was essentially exchanging services for uh, food and things like that. So he would help on farms and he would do, you know, all kinds of different exchanges in that aspect instead of exchanging money right um and there's a lot of really great philosophical things in that book as well in terms of like finding that balance and what do we actually need versus what do we actually what do we want um and you know finding uh solace and simplicity and so that was another one a big pivotal thing for me and like for me, I, I tend to live very, very light now. Um, I found my own balance in what works for me. Um, but it's like, I, I very carefully weigh, do I need this thing 
versus do I want this thing and that right. sort of thing. No, actually, I actually honor that quite a bit. Um, having lived in a small space for some time, I, I find that that's, that's a great balance because I, I have children and I do honor that they have their own experience of what it feels like to like purchase things or have things or have like a creating experience or maybe buying something that, that they want to try out mm -hmm. uh, as to where like in myself, like I primarily like to focus on what can I do that nourishes my overall well being. I'm not, I'm not right. necessarily still to this point. Um, I have a minimal amount of clothing and living in Southern California. The super funny thing is it, that suits me just fine because I, <laughs> I can spend days at the beach sometimes it feels like, and just yeah. be without a shirt anyway. So all you need, um, all you need is one pair of shorts and a pair of flip flops. You're pretty much good. <laughs> it's true. It's, it's so true. It's really funny that you mentioned that because that, that is the Southern California lifestyle, and I think that's why I I really resonate with being here so much. Is is I really enjoy that. I enjoy, like yeah. you said, I enjoy that lightness, and where I find so much gratification and and going through that process of of kind of testing the producer consumer society is that's not the actual connection and fulfillment most of us are looking for. Right. Uh, we get, so I get so much out of this, like these connections, this like on a personal, yeah, on a personal level, the heartfelt connection, I, I get so much uh, satisfaction out of mm -hmm. connecting with people through the heart and through our experience, which is why I've really opened up more to sharing some of those things that I've gone through because I've talked to so many people over the years that really were in that same kind of emotional and mental struggle. Yeah. And, you know, I was trying to run it all away for a little while, you know, I was just running and then fucking <laughs> what you're doing is really just being with yourself. So you think you're running away from it, but it's just following you around. Anyway. Right. Yeah. It's basically like the shadow in Peter Pan. Yes. And, and that's, that's like where I've come to these days is as we make this journey in, in our airstream, like we, we've traveled all the way over the Western half of the United States. And we went up and down the entire West Coast, um, yeah. pulling this like little airstream. We spent time in Washington and Oregon, and we, we traveled around really trying to find a place because when we left, we had no idea where we wanted to call home. Right. We didn't have a plan. That's awesome. And, and, <laughs> yeah, no, it was, that was the thing that I really wanted to do is like, I have no plan and I want to see what it turns out like. And I felt so like when I got to San Diego um, in Southern California, the thing I really fell in love with was, was carrying on with that, that place that I could kind of go sit and chill by myself um, with surfing. It was this thing I was out with other people, but at the same time, you're, you're out there on your own kind of riding waves and learning how to do things. And, and there's a lot of humility in it because I didn't come from a place of like growing up here. I didn't know how to surf and I wasn't totally familiar with the ocean, but I was obsessed with it. Yeah. And just like triathlon, I was surfing when I got here, I was surfing twice a day and really like dove in trying to figure it out. And that's cool. Um, I, I got pretty good at it. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing I got really good at was figuring out ways to get by without doing a lot of exchange for like a job. Yeah. And so we kind of figured some things out, but I realized that maybe at that point, that's kind of where everything really transitioned for me. Um, I realized at that point that maybe I was kind of looking at all these things as a means to escape my own self and my mm. own head. Wow. And they were bringing me closer into myself. And I realized that maybe I, w I hadn't shed those like hurt feelings that I'd had about kind of how things fell apart with my family and stuff. 
uh, right there towards the end of that experience that we talked about before is, is I saw give yourself like, the opportunity to grieve and yeah, that, yeah. that was it. And so as, as I like got here in Southern California, I'm feeling that I was feeling the vibe of being here for a while. And then eventually that, that kind of depression creeps back in mm -hmm. that feeling of heaviness kind of comes back. And that is the point in my experience where I discovered uh, psychedelics. Yeah. Yeah. And see, this is a, I, I want to hear what you learned from all of this because <laughs> I know you, well, it was probably what, like a year that you were researching all that. Uh, I spent the last five to six years now. Uh, oh, was it that long? Wow. Yeah, it's been it's been a journey uh, that I've been diligently researching psychedelics. Yeah, um, and and to the extent of really like I like to express to people, I explored psychedelics beyond what most can comprehend. Yeah, um, there there's a, in the in the psychedelic world and people healing right now. Uh, oftentimes, people talk about a dose of psilocybin being around five grams. Mm -hmm. and um five grams when i was introduced to me i didn't feel like it was quite the psychedelic experience that anyone was talking about i was like okay well that was cool that was rad i mean mm -hmm. it's a very visual experience you're kind of seeing some unique things about yourself and, and it was the first time that i'd really like experienced something like i tried to meditate for years but because of so much of the energy and the trauma i'd gone through sitting with myself and just silence and and, and relaxing, it, it didn't seem possible. Yeah, it can be painful and distracting and just, it, it seems, yeah, it does seem impossible sometimes when you've got so many thoughts swirling around. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that, that's exactly it. You're right. Like, there's like so many thoughts swirling around and I'd never been able to sit with this meditation and I'd, I'd read so many spiritual books and, and I heard of this thing called the Buddha mind, right? And I... The first time I took uh, five dry grams of psilocybin, I actually experienced that Buddha mind. The, the thoughts for like just at least a few moments had completely shut off. Hmm. And I was open to the entire experience. That's cool. And that introduced me to something I was so fascinated with that I went into um, scientist mode. I saw this as like something now that could help me connect to myself in a way to heal these wounds that I was carrying around. I said, okay, man, that was the most pristine, exquisite thing I've ever experienced. There was this state of just being without yeah. the worry about who I am or who, whose expectations I need to live up to any of that. And, you know, I, and I want to like clarify as we talk about this, because I know like in Southern California, there's, there's a bit of a psychedelic movement and culture. And, um, a lot of it is centered around festivals and stuff like that. And I, and I want to say that that, that serves, that has a place and, and I honor that, but I never actually experienced psychedelics um, in as a social, a fest, as a social, as a social tool. Like yeah. I, I've never done it. I've only done it around one other friend. Um, and we did it after like I had experienced quite a bit. And I, I yeah. use this as like a ceremonial tool to where I Definitely. could meditate. Yeah, we talk about actually, uh, you know, on, on this podcast, when these things come up, we actually talk about that because it's really important to be in a, a healthy place when you use these things, you know. Mm -hmm. um, if you're using them as an escape or using them as um, something to have fun with, um, you're probably not going to get the results you want, you know, whether it's oh. a, a psychedelics, pot, alcohol, whatever it is, 
Uh, it's like using it in excess as a form of escape is not going to give you the results you want. Um, so guys, uh, as I always say, make sure that you guys are in the right headspace. If you're going to do any of this stuff, uh, make sure that you are trying to learn about yourself and you're trying to learn your limits with these things, um, and not overdo it and end up making bad decisions. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> Yeah, a hundred percent. And I actually like to say that because, uh, I want to say this about psilocybin because as, as I explored further out of my curiosity of all the things I've explored on the planet, psilocybin is the safest substance I've ever come across. Mm. Um, for one reason, because I eventually started exploring spiritual doses up to 28 grams, a full wow. ounce at a time. Yeah. Wow. These were extreme ceremonial doses. These were an annihilation of the false ego. And, and initially the smaller doses were helping me kind of chip away at the mental health struggles. And I saw that like with the five grams and stuff, they were really helping me. And, and I don't advise anyone doing 28 grams of mushrooms. Okay. I, I, that yeah. is the, the truth. That is, this was an experience that I had, I had basically created because I'd started to master what it meant to explore my own inner workings. Yeah, this, was this was a lot to, of years in the works, guys. Like, you just yes, remember this that. this is mastery. Don't, <laughs> don't listen to this episode and then go out and take 28 grams. Absolutely of not. This is, <laughs> this is a mastery experience. And that, that's what I really want to talk about is that uh, as far as now helping change the mental health culture of our, of our society and our culture, these are useful tools. Yeah. And I actually, what I would recommend for anyone and everyone that's curious about it, please microdose. Take a yep. tiny dose that, that is a sub, like it's an experience that doesn't take you into the psychedelic realm, but mm -hmm. it is helping you become conscious of your thought patterns throughout the day yep. and the absolutely. way that you are painting your reality out. So please like absolutely do not just dive into these heavy doses. And if you become curious as someone that's exploring psychedelics, absolutely. I love talking about it. I love sharing it. I, I dev these are a spiritual tool. Uh, beyond just a medicine, uh, they definitely can help us shift our entire consciousness. But I have learned to talk in a way and express this in a way to say, this is not a toy in the sense that mm. um, psilocybin particularly, I've, tried, I've also done very large doses of LSD. Um, and I've also done uh, doses of MDMA, they all have different aspects and they help heal you in different ways. I've done them all on my own by myself. I've never actually, like I said, taken them into a social setting. Uh, large doses like that will actually, they're an out of body experience. Yeah. You don't want to actually be around anyone. Uh, that, that makes that sense. Can have a, that can have a huge influence on your experience. And, and so that's something you definitely want to take in to experiencing on your own. That being said, Tim Ferriss once said psychedelics are like having uh, like, you know, five to six to 15 years of therapy in a few hours, you know? <laughs> yep. Yep. And, um, and I love that perspective of it. And that's a really great way of painting it out. Um, so, yeah, I, I honor that with everyone. And, you know, uh, I, I like to talk a lot when people the, the main thing is, is I can write a lot of stories about these experiences I had. But I actually like to answer questions about it because yeah, um, that's really where people I can and educate them. Yeah, I like to answer those questions because um, a lot of people they really are curious about what the benefits are, mm -hmm. and 
and the one thing that I can tell you is the major thing for anyone that's experiencing, especially the first time, understand this, as you heal, everyone in your environment is, has not had that experience. Okay. Right. So if you, if you go back and, and, and I'll tell you, like you, you, even your, your loved ones, your closest family members, they're not going to quite understand what you've been doing to heal yourself. You're a, you're a new person in a way. And you're not living through the same thought patterns anymore. And so they're used to the identity that you've been carrying around. Right. Which in a way is a false identity. It's part of your trauma program. Part yeah, of the it's program from, all the, from all the masks that you've put on over the years and defense mechanisms and all of those things. Yes. And, that, and that's why I feel like at this point in my experience, I'm able to talk about it openly because I've started like I've, I've stood in this place where I, I no longer need to wear the mask. I no longer yeah. need to like defend like and I understand that that's where I was able to go back and relieve and forgive those experiences that I like we're, we're all pat, like genetically we're not just passed on the physical. I like to say genetics is more than just the physical. We're passed on generational thought patterns, yeah. generational tendencies and mm -hmm. even the way that we eat is passed on through generations of practices. Absolutely. Yeah, I actually, I went, um, for when you knew me, I was actually mostly vegetarian um, and uh, still was eating dairy. For a time, for about six months, I went completely vegan. Um, and it really did have a good effect on my body, but there were things that I was missing, you know, things that I was, my body was used to um, because whether it was generational or whatever, um, that I, you know, I went, back to eating meat. And so now I eat, you know, mostly um, like vegetarian chicken and a little bit of beef um, and very little, if any dairy, um, just because I've found that's what works for my body. Um, you know, and uh, my, my family, and I'm like, I'm wondering, and I'm not sure, you know, I don't know the details, whatever. Um, but I, I'm wondering if, my family being mostly Celtic from, you know, the UK, Ireland, you know, that kind of thing. Um, if that has an effect on what my body needs, you know, in terms of um, like what I crave and how my body feels after eating certain things and all that. Indeed. Uh, you know, and, and I want to say I honor that because I, I think I've been through the point like where like, you know, when you kind of first go vegan, and I was like a lot of my friends and, and my son has been uh, an animal rights activist and stuff like that. And I want to acknowledge that the system in which we have that just produces animals like they're just some sort of factory product is right. flawed, right? Yeah. And I honor oh, yeah. that. But I also, because like you said, I too have a very unique background. Um, I don't know as much about my genetics as I would like just because of the unknown of part of my family but I do know my grandfather was indigenous and so in knowing that he was uh of indigenous roots and culture I kind of see like and I'm very open to understanding that that many of us like that that is in our ancestry and so I'm not a staunch like I, I like to say plant-based and I am an advocate for animal rights but I sometimes like eat honey um, and I'm open to everybody's way of doing things because what you know is best for you is not for me to determine. Mm -hmm. And that's great. That's one, that's one of the, the things that I found is such like a trap for our mental and spiritual health is to think that like my path is the path for everyone. Huh. Now, right. Yeah. Putting, putting our expectations on others. 
Yeah. Yeah. And we, we don't, we don't, we're not exploring right now. What we're, what we're really looking at as a culture with all that's going on is there's a lot of actual personal liberties and sovereignty being crossed because yep. consciously as a collective, that's what we've become so accustomed to is being told how to live. Yep. Yeah. And when we're told how to live, we expect to be able to tell others how to live just because that's habitual, you know, that's what we're used to. So it is. We don't honor each other's like sovereignty as, as beings, man. And as, that's as that's individuals. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's what I found. It's, it's a hellish thing to try to tell everybody else how to live. That, that's a oh, trap, yeah. man. It puts stress on everybody. You know, it puts stress on, yeah. on the person trying to dictate because people don't want to follow it. You know, it's like, I'm not the yeah. one who's going to, who's going to be like, Oh, I'm going to listen to everything you tell me to do. You know, I'm not that guy. Right. Um, no, it, that's the last thing I want is somebody to tell me what to do, how to live. Um, cause I want to figure it out for myself. It's, it's dangerous to all of our relationships. And, and mm -hmm. I, and I will like kind of like touch on this a little bit. Our culture has become a culture of property management, even with people. <laughs> uh -huh. And I have four sons that I've really like tried to like, I, it took some inner work and a lot of this inner work has definitely come to that place of acknowledging that my duty as a father is to show them how to build and create for themselves, mm. not to just say, this is the way mm -hmm. because, and, and to like, that's how I was raised. Like, this is how you do it. This is what we're doing. And you'll do it whether you like it or not. <laughs> right. Yep. And it creates and, that level of trauma and that program within us. And that's where we end up like really having a hard time is because maybe we want to experience something different. Yeah. Well, and getting into that, you know, getting involved in the workforce and not feeling like you can stand up for it, like you're allowed to stand up for yourself because, well, the boss said so, so I have to, Yeah. you know, um, and just so many of the other problems that we have that it, instead of standing up for ourselves, we're so afraid of speaking our minds that we know we never, we never do, you know, and progress doesn't happen because people aren't willing to stand up and say what they think is right. Absolutely. That, that's exactly what I feel is the major shift in our consciousness right now is happening is that uh, this, the way the system works is through that system of authority. Mm -hmm. Okay. From the top down, we see it and there's, and I'm not saying it's like the, the government that's controlling it. I have no idea but they're the representatives of the people. And when we look at it on a deeper level, um, right now we're concerned about the health of all humanity, but in a way we've paraded around kind of the figures of unhealth and sickness as our authority figures. We mm -hmm. have geriatric men leading the world. <laughs> and I'm like, well, what yeah. is this example? You know, we're, we're in, and as to where in an indigenous culture, uh, we look back on that and actually the people in the middle were actually the leaders of the tribe. The chief and stuff is the people that have children, but also their, their elders and their ancestors are still living. So they're mm -hmm. the middle piece. They're the bridge between the two. Yeah, that makes and, so much and the, sense. And the bridge is the great place of knowing like, hey, we want to represent the children in a great way. And we also want to be great representatives of our ancestors and our elders. Mm. And putting that together rather than just kind of like what it Accepting looks like. Accepting what the elders like, tell us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like a money yeah. grab too. It's like, 
it's like those guys are kind of on their way out the door, but they're taking everything as they go. <laughs> yeah. <know>? Yep. That's <laughs> true. That's and crazy. that's like kind of the way the system looks to me. And, and that all comes from exploring myself deeper and being able yeah. to actually ask myself these really deep questions because when you've started to like kind of erase and annihilate your trauma program, you're open-minded. Yeah. You become open-minded. And what, you come to the core of who you are as an individual too. And when, like when you strip away all of those things that kind of have made you this sculpture that you are now, um, you know, the, and once you get out, all of that out of the way, there's, you come back to that core of who you are. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like you've done a really good job of that um, and being able to just exude individualism, you know, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's a journey and I acknowledge everyone's because it can be really challenging stripping that uh, false ego away because, you know, the, the word ego is kind of interpreted, um, it can be interpreted in a, in a, in a vast uh, array, but the, the truth is, is that what gets us up in the morning is a sense of ego. Right. Uh, we, we have a drive to exist and to live and that, that's, that's an honest thing that we must acknowledge that, that that matters and that that that's important but how we allow that to exist and create should come from a place of like i said that life liberty and pursuit of happiness Mm -hmm. and acknowledging that's that's the true essence of what we are because i've been there man i've been in the heavy states you know like i said before like i've been in the suicidal state and there is such a heaviness that you're carrying on your shoulders and anyone that's going through that they deserve to have that lifted off absolutely so and go ahead good oh no you're good yeah i I like what you're saying keep going i want to say like this and 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 i want to acknowledge this in our culture because we're we're two men here and in the form of men and you know like again that's a sense of identity underneath we're all the same right but on the outer we definitely have a form and i will say in our culture something i've noticed because i've sat in a lot of men's circles here in southern california and uh, I've done a little bit of work with a really great group called Sacred Sons. So if you guys ever check them out, they're doing a really fantastic thing. And there's a lot of different men's groups uh, right now addressing this. But oh yeah, uh, part of the culture that we've had is that the thing that I was doing was that us men are kind of left out there to figure it out on our own. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. one of the things I've been really proud to see and really grateful to see is that that shift in that consciousness of men realizing that that we need some like support sometimes, you know, like we need to like, and that's brotherhood, you know, that's the yep. thing where we lean on each other uh, a little bit to say, Hey, how do, well, we can't, we can be strong, but also it's all right to like have a connection, you know, that I had brothers growing up that totally. were profound in my growth, you know, knowing mm-hmm. that you have somebody to kind of lean on. Um, now I, I will say this, once you start to heal, it's great to connect and share your successes rather than always having to connect and share where you're struggling. But when we're open to sharing through where we have struggled, we'll be open to share our successes. Yep. Absolutely. That's very true, man. Uh, Yeah. That's where I stand these days. And that's why I'm opening up about this stuff. That's why I'm so glad that we're doing this actually, because my shift in consciousness as this has happened in this, this great time that we're all confronted with this, that's why I feel it's so important to share. Uh, because cool, I have sat in, in the, the symbolism of sitting in the cave, like you said, the guy in Utah. I sat in my own little personal cave here for like the last few years doing a lot of inner work. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I definitely 
uh, would have loved is, is, um, is a little support and connection. Oh man. That. Yeah. That's, that's so, so poignant, I think. And the, the really cool thing is there's, you know, I've been connected with a really, um, active online community of guys offering support to each other. And, you know, there's a lot of different perspectives on it and all that. Um, but the whole thing is that there, there are a number of people out there just trying to create space for guys to, uh, to open up and figure themselves out, you know? Um, and it's really, it's, it's good to see that. Um, yeah. because that it's not something that was very common when I was growing up and, um, it's, uh, it's definitely a nice change to see. Um, so I, you know, I have, I have one more question for you before we wrap up because I feel like yeah, you sure. know, you've, you've gone through all these changes and experiences over the last you know decade or so, and, uh, you've had a name change. Um, and so, you know, what was, I'm, I'm kind of wondering what was the, the catalyst for that name change? Cause I know there's, I know there's a lot of meaning to that. Oh yeah, no, there absolutely is. Um, so there's this aspect of each of us and there, there, when you start to discover the inner self, the true inner self, it is a spiritual journey and there's no denying of it. Um, and when I started to discover, like, as I started to discover through these very, very intense ceremonial experiences, um, I discovered the limitless self. Mm. And you connect to the core of all of us is a spirit, is a being that is eternal. It's immortal. And the symbol of the lion to me was always a symbol of honesty. Mm. Because yeah. the symbol of the lion is truthful. We're, it's a holistic approach. You know, lions in, in the wild, oftentimes, especially you see images of them, they can be very casual and very relaxed especially yeah. male lines they like to lounge quite a bit and i'm very much like that that symbol is very much like that swat flies but, with the tail that's about it yes exactly <laughs> swat flies with the tail but there is this aspect of us especially as men and that maybe we've been taught to either accept or deny but especially in this time where so much of our liberty is being questioned the line is also strong when it needs to be and I remember there's two things that I remember being like you get conflicting. And as a young man, I remember it. So growing up in Texas, it could be sometimes kind of like the, the, like the, the wild west. Like I had to learn how to use my fist pretty quickly, <laughs> but I was also told that in times I was also quite a sensitive being and I would cry. And that was told, I was told at those moments, those weren't acceptable. Right. Mm, yeah. And I thought, I would think to myself, well, if it's not acceptable and I'm not supposed to do it, then why am I doing it? Yeah. Why, why am I having these feelings if I'm not allowed to? Exactly. <laughs> and so to me, the lion was always a symbol of honesty, mm, integrity, cool. authenticity. And that in this time, I feel it's so, it's such an honor to stand up for the truth in all of us, to stand up for the honesty in all of us, because yeah. I'm not opposed to you having your own experience. However, I do have a tribe. I do have a family and sometimes my strength is needed to stand up for their liberties too. Absolutely. And, and I think that's the symbol of the line to me always is that honesty and strength when needed and uh, patience and relaxation when needed lions are a great, they're great fathers for their cubs. You know, like oftentimes you see that they, they definitely love to play. 
Um, mm-hmm. And that they'll they'll encourage the young and now when the young get to a certain stage they they also go off on their own and create prides of their own yeah and i just always love that symbol of authenticity and, and you know many of us like for myself like the, the story of uh the lion the witch and the wardrobe um <laughs> growing up i know it's a cra- it's a funny thing to talk about but that symbolism went beyond and you know i i, I would research about the, the story and many people would tie it to uh to religious affiliation and i always tied it to the, the the symbol of like i said that anarchist christ himself like i'm not like i'm not a religious person personally and i think everyone's allowed to choose for themselves but i definitely admired the symbolism of what christ was mm, yeah um and that and i and i definitely kind of uh have always stood up to that like that push and i think that's what sent me seeking the true self that's that's what sent me looking for the true self underneath all that program is honoring like i knew that that heart is within each of us Mm, yeah that's great and that's that's Uh how i see it and i i always like kind of had a connection to that symbol as a lion and of course i have this big huge yellow head of hair that (laughs) (laughs) that yeah um, and uh you guys uh, i'm sure that i'll i'll get a photo from uh from the immortal lion here uh for the the cover cover of the episode um, and hopefully we can get one of that, uh, that glorious mane of his, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I feel like that's just a really great note to end on. Um, and, uh, guys, yeah, definitely please take the opportunity to get to know yourselves, get out there, um, give yourself that space to figure out who you are. Um, and, uh, you know, allow yourself to be honest with yourself and those around you. And uh, you'll be surprised how much of a difference it'll make in your life. Absolutely. So absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And actually, thanks for everybody. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Um, this is a profound time to for all of us to be sharing our honesty and be. One thing I'll say is, especially for the men out there and women too, uh, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay mm. to like open yourself up and and to connect with your tribe and your community and your and your people um we're here and we're ready like we're, we're holding that space for everybody coming into it so yes you know absolutely. let's connect let's 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 take this this opportunity to build a beautiful world together i want to thank you for venturing into the dark blue with us today where we're always striving to foster a community of peers which empowers mental wellness positive growth and social awareness If you like what we're doing and would like to support our community, you can purchase a pint glass or t-shirt from Sheath Underwear via the link on our merch tab at www.intothedarkblue.com or message us to make a one-time donation. All proceeds go to men's mental wellness initiatives. If you ever need a listening ear, feel free to message us on the website or at into the underscore dark blue on Instagram. If you have an emergency or need help from a professional therapist, we offer several resources on our Get Help page. Last but not least, know your limits and drink smart. Cheers.